Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, as we continue through the book of John in our Believe series, John chapter 10, which really focuses on the Good Shepherd. And you did an excellent job of... <laughs> well, thank you. Tiptoeing like, I into should this. wait, actually, what you said, excellent job doing. Okay. <laughs> you could have said you did an excellent job of screwing that all the way up. Thank no. you. Thank you very no, much. It was a really good conversation, monologue, about all things shepherd and shepherding, which you did mention that you have been an, a shepherd before. You've been a shepherd of sheep, not yes. in the metaphorical sense as pastors. We have a flock of people. We help guide and direct and shepherd them towards, obviously, spiritual things and things of scripture, et cetera. But an actual shepherd, like you've actually owned yeah, we, sheep. So here's the thing about sheep. They eat grass. And if you have a large swath of uh, pasture, having a sheep. So they were all named after lawnmowers. I had Toro, Husky, John, Deer. Uh, I like that. Kubota. I was going to ask. I had a Kubota. <laughs> I actually had a Kubota tractor and a, a Kubota. Uh, actually, well, actually the Ram, his name was Thor, but he came pre-named and, you know, based upon his, well, never mind. He, he, he had earned the name Thor. Uh, and he was, I got to tell you, uh, a really, he was really nice. But one of my favorite things was him. Uh, like my son would be out there playing in the pasture and Thor would just come and just ram him right in the back, <laughs> knock him down because that's just what he does. But yeah, so we had we had sheep for a while. We had lambs. and But isn't that a, uh, should you not be naming them? Well, the, we were weren't going to eat the grown-ups. Okay. You can, but the, you know, somewhere between lamb and sheep like there's uh it becomes mutton at some point okay yeah i don't have you ever had the mutton um maybe at like a greek restaurant yeah maybe they not. probably had but they probably would be lamb just, straight they're lamb. just shaving off the, yeah. yeah yeah so somewhere it it goes from tasting like a a, a meal to tasting like someone's shoe that you've cooked <laughs> that sounds awful it's awful and like if you were to go to the Navajo Reservation, so 1989, when I spent the summer in Kaibato, Arizona, they would, um, like they do like a, an outdoor meeting, church meeting, whatever, and somebody instead of bringing money would bring a lamb, I mean a, a sheep or or a cow or a something, and they would literally slaughter it, like hang it up, let the blood oh my drain. Goodness! So we're over here, you know, singing, "Put on the garment of praise," and there's like a, a sheep bleeding out behind us, and by dinner we're eating mutton. And um, well, it was like, it literally was like eating a piece of furniture. Like it didn't feel like it should have been edible and it sure didn't taste like it was. But the Navajo, man, they loved it. So anyway, we named the grownups because we were never going to eat those. Okay. But um, were they procreating? Oh, buddy. Yeah, they were. Uh, yeah. So you had some babies. Or yeah. Now here was where it got a real complicated was yeah. my wife. Okay. 
So here, you know, golly, you know, Mary had a little lamb, all that. You go to a restaurant and they serve lamb. I don't know that everybody really considers the fact that it's actually a lamb, like a cute a baby sheep, little baby sheep that Aww. someone pops a hole in their head and then oh, butchers man. it and then serves it. And now I'll tell you who loves some, some lamb is Tony and Lynn Simpson. So we actually, uh, I guess they call it processing. Now that's the American term for butchering. But anyway, we had uh, some processed and my wife couldn't eat them. She just couldn't because she, like, that's, that was the lamb. But uh, uh, Tony and Lynn had no problem with it, so we gave most of our lamb to... Did she name it? Oh, yeah. They Out did. of the gate? There was one where we had to bottle feed. Oh, you're kidding. And uh, Oh, you're... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's not going to work. Terribly cute. And, um, but, you know, I, you know, I have... Caleb's over there with his bottom lip out. But, you know, you look, you drop it off at the processing plant and you come back and they've got meat, you know, uh, wrapped up. So you really do got to compartmentalize it. You mm. know, there's a new show on Amazon called Clarkson's Farm. Okay. I actually, on your, on your recommendation, I did watch a couple of episodes. It's hysterical. I laughed. <laughs> it, it's so one of the episodes is, is Jeremy Clarkson, formerly of Top Gear uh, fame. He uh, he bought a thousand acres and has started a farm, and they're just documenting it. And he's just kind of you know going through it. And it's one of the episodes is him lambing, or she calls it sheeping, where oh no, he's he's trying to raise sheep. And this is for profit, right? He's trying yeah. to raise sheep, probably sell, for wool, right? Um, wool and meat. Okay. And it's hysterical because he's having so much trouble with trying to get them to stay in the pen, to get in the right pen, um, trying to get them to, to breed, and some of them are falling sick. I mean, yeah. it's a whole thing. They I'm learning are, about it. Yeah, they're a mindless creature. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, that's the hard part. It's not a compliment when Jesus says, he calls us his sheep. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, man, that's not a compliment. Um. And, you know, you look, you go back as far as, you know, the spotless lamb, the sacrifice, like the, the idea of a lamb of, of sheep was, was an idea that God has been using for, for millennia now. But, you know, Jesus to show up on the scene and say, I, you know, I'm not just uh, a shepherd, I am the good shepherd. It, it, the, the, it's funny, it says actually about somewhere on verse 9 or 10 that and the Pharisees had no idea what he was talking about. So he said, well, I'll say it a different way. But he was taking language that they would have understood and saying, that's who I am. And for them, you know, the idea to, to this day, throughout the Middle East are Bedouin tribes, which is actually an Arabic people that live uh, with their sheep out in the desert, herding their sheep in the, in the desert. It's not like, like I had a farm... With a fence all the way around, we had a we had a barn, we had run-in shelters, and it was still a full-time job keeping him from getting dead. These guys are like out in the open. There's no tractor supply to get feed. There's no guns even back then, so they're running around like defending them their their animals from bears, from lions, wolves, coyotes, whatever. With you know, with no fence and no shelter, like that's the shepherd, and Jesus is saying, "That's my job in this. I am the shepherd, the good shepherd." It's interesting because now sheep is used pejorative, right? The in sheeples, our, in our, yeah, in yeah, our yeah. culture. Yeah, I mean, look, we kind of inherently we inherently know like that sheep are not the smartest uh, of the of the animal kingdoms, and they'll follow something. 
Uh-huh. I mean, hundred percent, no matter what, that's what I'm learning from this, uh, from this Clarkson show, no matter what's in front of them, no matter what, whether it's a person, another animal, another sheep, a bird, like it doesn't matter. Like they're just following whatever comes their way. Yep. They are not leaders. No. Followers. No. And that's, so the idea that the voice, so what Jesus is talking about, they'll know my voice. Um, if you're around a herd of sheep long enough, your voice imprints on them. So they knew my voice. Like when I got home and even if I'm just talking to Shannon near the fence line, at some point, one of them would poke their head up. Yeah. And then, you know, and as soon as the first one started running, the others would follow behind and run right, right up to the fence. Looking just, just like literally reporting for duty, sir. Like, where are we going? And the answer is nowhere. I'm just talking to my wife or, or, you know, doing some gardening, but they would follow me when I'd get out in the pasture. If I was looking to go to the back to fix a fence, whatever, they'd follow me to the back, but they would follow, which on the other side of the world was a good thing. You wanted them to follow you. You want them to. Um, and they're not like cattle where you drive them from behind They're You lead from the front. They're not. Yeah. If you're coming from behind with a sheep, it's going to be confusing because they're going to turn around and look at you wondering, why are we not, you know, going the other direction? But if you go to the front, they'll follow you. Unlike cattle, where you got to like herd them, like you got to have dogs on either side, people running because there's always some knuckleheads always going to run off to the side. Not sheep, man. They're going wherever the shepherd's going. Yeah. You drive cattle, lead sheep. And you kind of did a, a juxtaposition a little bit from this passage, John 1, John 10 verses 1 through 10. With Psalms 23, which is obviously one of the most popular psalms where it talks about the Lord is my shepherd, which really kind of dovetailed into kind of the three points of, you know, his presence, his protection, provision, and power. With that being said, the idea that that we are sheep and that we need shepherding, the fact of the matter is, like, we are all following something. Mm-hmm someone and if it's not if it's not the lord if it's not jesus that we're following in, in in many ways it's it's culture um and it could be all kinds of things that we follow yeah we humans i put me in that category we're following something you know it's like it just grates against me to admit that that i'm going to follow something but it's true. Even the most independent of us are still going to follow something. We're going to follow a career path. We're going to follow some sort of scientific information. We're going to, but we're following something or someone. It's just how we're wired. So even a, a leader is still following something. There's somebody ahead, somebody above somewhere that they're following, whether you're the president of the United States or you are, you know, the guy processing sheep over off of Highway 96. Like we're, that's how we're wired. And it's worth noting that, you know, the idea of a shepherd, did you, so, okay, you grew up in the uh, IFB. Was there a picture somewhere in your church, a painting of Jesus, a very gentle Jesus holding a lamb? There's this famous painting that seems like, I don't know, it made its way into every church in America. Oh, yeah. We absolutely had that painting. Yeah. Hanging up. Yeah, we did too at the Nazarene Church. And I think everybody did somewhere in their home too. But um, the idea of a shepherd is a fascinating one because they did have to be gentle with a lamb. They had to be 
kind and like, you know, cause there's no vet, you know, getting no tractor supply. But I mean, shepherds were, and are still, by the way, Bedouins, they are like hardcore. Like David, who wrote the Lord is my shepherd, spent the better part of his youth fighting off bears and lions and predators sleeping outside. Like, you know, if you cannot get back to your father's land uh, because you're in the desert, so you've gone too far to get to water, they build pens for the sheep <clears throat> out of like briars and brush uh, to keep predators out, not to keep the sheep in. And the gate of the that briar is where the shepherd lays down. So there's not necessarily a gate. He lays down so that if anybody's coming to the sheep, they got to get over his body. Jesus then says, I am the gate, right? The first few verses of John chapter 10. That's the image he's going after. And when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he didn't have a painting from Thomas Kincaid with a, a, a gentle Jesus holding a lamb. Uh, I mean, they were actually considered an abomination by Egyptians. If When the, Joseph was getting his brothers and family into Egypt. He told them, and I don't remember, Genesis 40-something. Okay, but don't tell them you guys are shepherds because that's an abomination here. Tell them you're something completely different. Basically lie on your visa application, which I do all the time. When I go to foreign countries, I can't tell them I'm a pastor, so I tell them I'm a counselor or something because it's technically true, you know, but it won't get me kicked out of the country. Uh, but for them, the, sheep, you know, the shepherds are an abomination because they're a brawling, scrappy bunch of people because you got to keep the sheep alive. And so in that m- mindset, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Um, you know, who do you want on the front lines in a, in a war zone? Like, I'd rather have Jocko Willink, right, than have some, you know, media personality from some progressive squirmy, you know, I, I want somebody who's going to be on the front lines that knows what they're doing, that can handle the weapons, that can keep me safe. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. One of the things guiding us right now is the emergence of artificial intelligence. And you kind of paralleled the idea in the need for us as a culture to be guided, to be directed with this emergence that is artificial intelligence basically into every aspect of our life right now that's guiding us into um, commerce, it's guiding us into careers, it's guiding us into just data-driven solutions, is this overwhelming tidal wave of AI. Yeah, the the thing, you know, I'll tell you what I did not cover on Sunday that I I regret because it was important, and so I, I guess that's why we have the deeper podcast, but is we have a need for a shepherd one of the reasons we have a need for a shepherd is that we also have this desire to be the shepherd. Like we want to rise up and we want to be the, and so we have no shortage of narcissists on the planet that think that they know a better way, whether it's in Davos or in Silicon Valley that want to shepherd us. Cause they, you know, I'm just a lowly peasant. And so I need someone to tell me what information I can and can't understand, which has been around a very long time in humanity. The Catholic church, right in the early centuries, we're like, you guys, are not smart enough to understand the Bible. So we're going to keep it in Latin. You're not allowed to read it because you're not able to understand it. That is still going on. And 
from a very secular worldview, the technologists that are in charge, the coders, the, 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 you know, the people that have risen to the elite status, have decided, okay, you guys can't, since you're not smart enough to know what's true and not true, we're going we're gonna to figure out what that is, and then we're going to let you see what's true based upon our opinions. And what's happening, we all know it, is through shadow banning, through the Twitter files, which we've seen, like the technologists working in conjunction with the government, deciding what we can and can't see. You know, they're the ones deciding which, you know, here's where, here's the, sh- I'm the shepherd. Here's where you can go. The shepherd, you know, you've got to stay away from this because it's dangerous. You can eat this because it's safe. You better doggone well make sure that the whoever shepherd that you're following is someone that you can trust. But what was what jumped out at me this past week that I'd never previously considered was that whether or not I know it or you know it or whatever, every time I'm scrolling through a quote-unquote news feed on a social media platform, I'm not seeing what was just next posted in line in some sort of order. I'm only seeing what a coder and his department has decided I should see next. But, you know, based on many things, based on my interest, based on what I've clicked on, and based on what they've decided now, is what we've seen, what I should or shouldn't see or not. If, if someone that I've followed in, you know, 2020 said that the uh, COVID virus may have come from a Wuhan lab, which report this week in the Wall Street Journal probably did, but in 2020, 2021, those people were either kicked off of the platform altogether or they were silent so that when I'm scrolling, I'm not going to see their posts because I'm following a shepherd that's decided I can't see that anymore. So I, the, the technology of social media itself, which is different from, but same principle of artificial intelligence, AI, open AI, chat GPT, they are shepherding me through the valley of the shadow of death, right? I, they, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff comfort me. I am going through the valley of the shadow of death on my news feed, but I'm blindly, just like a sheep, who I, I, we're just going this way because this is the way that the feed goes. But it's not just magic. It's not by accident. Somebody has coded and decided the morals, the principles of this scroll, and that's where it, what's what I'm going to see. Which, 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 the Pharisees was what really jumped out at me. They had control of the scroll. Like their scroll was the scroll that said, this is, this, these are the laws. This is what's good and bad. And they said that this blind man that was healed, Jesus must be a demonic because you can't heal on the Sabbath day. Nobody in that room is allowed to look at the scroll, to read the scroll. Only the Pharisees, only the religious leaders and whoever has the scroll has control. They had control of that narrative, and what we have now are a bunch of secular humanists who have got control of our narrative in social media. Isn't it interesting how the terms are similar? Scroll, how they've adopted scroll. Bro, it's creepy. Feed. Yeah. Like, you know. Okay, I didn't think of that till just now. Yeah. You know, sheep, they go wherever the feed is. And then we learned as well that... um, that the that AI coding as they as they put together the the actual back end code to help direct where your feed or algorithm goes the actual technical term for that is called shepherding yeah so luke thomas uh sends me an email sunday afternoon 
That's why if you're not, if you're thinking, should I go to the Sunday morning or should I go to the Sunday night? Go to the Sunday night because I might know, I might <laughs> learn something new Sunday morning. Yeah. So Luke Thomas, right? He works in technology, uh, and he sends me a little email and he says, uh, "Hey, first, it's ironic you taught a sermon on shepherding mixed with AI. As it turns out, there's a method of quote he quotes guiding an AI learning model towards a solution, and it's called shepherding." And then he attaches a document to it that is uh, a PDF file of how, how this works. It's basically, uh, and I cannot pronounce these two guys' names. These are two Chinese citizens. Um, I did some search on them. They teach in American universities, and I know that everybody's going to say, oh, you can't be anti-Chinese. I'm not anti-Chinese. I am saying that there is no such thing as a private company in China. Um, the fact that the TikTok algorithm in China is different than the one in the United States, that should tell us all we need to know. But the, the article is titled, Learning to Herd Agents Amongst Obstacles, Training Robust Shepherding Behaviors Using Deep Reinforcement Learning. And then this article, I, 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 we don't have time to, I mean, it's, but it was like sobering of the language that, that's been you know, used in here of how to teach this to teach itself to teach us yeah. and then using shepherding as the, as the language for it. Like, ooh. yeah, it's amazing. If you haven't watched it yet, it's been out two and a half years now. It's called the social dilemma. It's a, it's a documentary on Netflix um, where uh, was it? Tristan. Um, what's his name? Trist. <laughs> what is his name? Tristan. I'll pull it up here in a second, but it's a, it's, it's this incredible documentary that that goes through and explains how social networking works and how the algorithm is built based upon how fast you scroll through something or if you stop and look at something for x amount of seconds um and how it will populate future tristan uh, harris tristan harris yeah yeah he's been on rogan as well and talks about this um, and it's, it, and it is essentially a shepherding conversation, which I think that's what, I don't know. It just, it really jumped out at me that when we talk about humanity in general, whether it's the Pharisees, whether it's Moses, whatever, the idea of a shepherd might feel antiquated because, you know, I, I don't right. know how many sheep you saw on the way to work today, but I saw none, right? Yeah. Mostly cause I didn't drive by Baldry's house, but, uh. But for the most part, you're not going to see them because it's just part of our modern thing. So maybe Jesus in a modern context would have said, look, I am the open AI. Like I am the chat GPT and you are the, you know, the, the users of this technology. Like, but, but, he, but he prefaces it by saying, but I'm the good, right, shepherd. So it'd be I'm the good chat GPT. Because one of the things that Luke says, and, and by the way, you've pointed out as well, that this as a tool is actually incredibly helpful. Like yeah. there's a lot of uses to this tool, just like there is in social media. I've, especially in the early days of conduit raised millions of dollars by being able to share stories of what's happening in, in, in the, in developing nations because of social media, I'm able to stay in touch with you know, like countless people around the globe because of social media, my friends in Africa and Asia, you know, they've all got social media. So there is a useful tool to it, but the insidious side is if we if we're naive enough to think that, which I think I was before. I don't know. Maybe I was. Maybe I wasn't. 
I'm not naive now, though. I know that. That it is not amoral. That there is morals written into the code that, you know, for now, especially the more the code is written, the more the, uh, the, 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 that it's out there, the more they can hide the code that says if I'm asking um, a question. So Darren Foster, who's one of our church family, he works for a very, very, very large social media company. If I said the name, you would know. Uh, sent me, you know, that look right now, like in chat GPT, if you ask it to say something complimentary about Trump, it won't. But you can get it to say something complimentary about Biden. So somebody somewhere has already coded that into it. How long does it take before somebody in the coding decides that what you need to really see right now about God is that there is no God, that it becomes an atheist bent to it, an atheist bias to the answers of the question, not, not an honest look at it and you know, the longer it's there, the more coders are going to have a chance to put that stuff and bake it into it. And the more dangerous it is because it can then hide the truth from us. Yeah. I think right now we're on the very beginning of all this, right? So here, little pop quiz. Do you, do you have any idea what GPT stands for? Got pretty toes? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Chat GPT, generative pre-trained transformer. Transformer? Yeah, isn't that weird? It feels like they ran out of words at that point. Like, you so had me a tra- what was it generated, pre-trained? Generative pre-trained transformer. Yeah. And they're at version 3.5. And if you're living in a cave, chat GPT. It's an app right now. It's a, it's, it's a uh, URL-based app that basically you can ask it any question at all and it will spit out an answer in conversation form and you can keep going back and forth and keep asking questions um, and it will give you a summary it'll give you bullet points it'll give you whatever you ask it to do uh, with the information but I do feel like there we're having two conversations about this to be honest I feel like there's a, a utilization conversation and a weaponization conversation I do feel like there is utilization of this app that is very um, application based like there's all kinds of applications that can be used for this i mean it's almost endless on how it's going to revolutionize tech and speed up efficiency and technology and creativity and so on and so forth it's unbelievable what it can crank out the other side of it is obviously the weaponization or the use of it in philosophical conversations in um, theological conversations, answering questions in that regard. The point where it's going to be very complicated is when those, when utilization and perhaps the weaponization cross. Mm-hmm. When those two cross and becomes a moment of what they are terming singularity, hmm. um, is when we're going to have a really big problem. The question is, how far down the road is that? Because right now, you have silos of engineers and um, people a lot smarter than, than you or I using and developing ChatGPT in a way that is really good. Then you have, on the other side, people that are programming biases mm-hmm. into it that are influencing outcomes when asked certain philosophical questions um, or or even writing articles, right? Because yeah. it can write articles for you as well. Right. So there's these, there's these two 
sides of the same coin. At some point, we don't know when that is, those, those are going to cross and it's going to become one unit of which I do believe this censorship will be the number one issue. Yeah. We're so, not there yet, but we're, it's coming. So it, obviously, okay, at some point it hit that in social media. And some of it they blatantly denied. You know, Jack Dorsey, we don't shadow ban. Turns out Twitter files, we were 100% shadow banning. Um, so a lot of that was hidden in behind the scenes. And we all, like, we all knew it. it. Eventually it became blatant enough where they were actually canceling, canceling. You know, not just shadow banning, but just shutting down. We're the, the president of the United States of America, you were kicked off our platform. So yeah. it eventually became that blatant. But behind the scenes it was... Not as blatant. The thing with chat GPT is, and Bing and whatever else uh, model that are out there, is there a way to know once we've hit that? Like if I'm asking it to write a sermon, which I've done it a couple times because you, you did it. And I was like, that's really interesting. So far, theologically speaking, it wasn't off the rails. Now, by the way, really average. Like I wouldn't listen to this sermon. Like if this is, you know. A, a robot sermon. Like, I mean, honestly, they're just, they're, you know, there are way better sermons out there. But at least they were, they were making points and whatever. But how long do you think it takes before coders are, are, have gotten, like, infiltrated it far enough, like, where we're on the radar now? Where, I mean, like, I don't even know. Like, where is it with COVID right now? If you ask it questions about, do masks work? Is it going to answer, according to the Wall Street Journal and New York Times op-ed pieces that say they didn't? Or does it answer uh, according to the COVID-19 fact-checkers things? Well, one thing we do know is it, it does not take – it does not have any new data up to, I believe it's September of 21. So it's not – It's not current. It's not aggregate as of now. Interesting. So all the data that it does have is pulling up to fall of 21. Now, this the newest version that's supposedly going to release later this year, GPT-4 – will be, I think, up to maybe January of this year. Any idea why it's the, like that specific? They're still, they're still trying to curtail some of the information and outputs for accuracy. And because it's learning so fast at like a 100x factor every time that they do a new iteration, that new data happens so fast, incredibly fast, that it doesn't have time to correct any errors. So they're building in a buffer. They're building in like an 18-month buffer. Which is... While it's still learning. Wow. While it's still learning and, and, and scraping. So right now, if we're asking about vaccine of efficacy for... It's giving you fall of 21 data. See, how about that should maybe be on the homepage? You know what I mean? <laughs> it might be. Because I'm, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not nearly as attentive as you are. I'm not nearly up to date as you are. But I'm not like my mom either. You know, like I'm not right. like my grandma learning the internet. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat well rounded. But I didn't know that it's 18 months old. So that's why some of the, you know, when we talk about biases for Trump or Biden, et cetera, political figures, that's coming off of the 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 heat of an election, right? Fall of 21, that was, I mean, tipping point for a lot of different things. So it's not, that system hasn't had time to curate and, um, and level itself out over the past 18 months, maybe with new data points. 
So I just ask, are masks effective against COVID-19? And it's giving me the, you know, the, it literally looks like the C, you know, CDC wrote this. Sure. Um, see, well, actually, it does say the CDC recommends wearing masks in public settings, especially when it's difficult to remain, uh, maintain social distancing. So that's September 2021. Do you think it would, uh, if, if you know, it'll tell you if it, if you if you ask specific data, say, you know, give give the current CDC recommendation, um, you know, based on you know spring or winter of twenty two or twenty three, it's going to say, I'm sorry, all data collected is through fall of twenty one. Um, so it does have some parameters and some buffer, and they're they're working through that. They want to be able to speed that up between each iteration. Yeah. Um, but man, this thing, again, it's so powerful. One of the things I came across was they, they have graphed out a timeline for this for when, when the GPT AI, what they're calling super intelligence will intersect human intelligence and exceed human intelligence. They have graphed that out. That is year 2045. That's the moment that everybody is kind of <laughs> keeping an eye on, uh -huh. um, which is only, what, 20, 20 years away, a little more than 20 years away. Um, some people believe that could be a lot faster than that. But over the next decade, over the next two decades, things are going to be a lot different on how we use our computers, our phones, uh -huh. our tech, and how we are going to be guided um, in about every possible decision-making opportunity. Hang on. I'm, a, I'm actually having a little fun here. Um. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't had a chance to download it, um, you do have to you know, create an account for it. There's a, there's a desktop app. You can also pull it up as a URL. Um, but it's fun to kind of ask some, some different questions in there. And, and it does math problems really well. I mean, it does, like I'm saying, there's tools. You can utilize it in very right. applicable. Like you can say, okay, I've got, I've got six ingredients in my, <laughs> in my refrigerator, and you can ask it, give me three recipes using this six ingredients, and it'll pop it out for you, like ready to roll. It's amazing what it can do. And it's that side that's like, it's not I won't go as far to say it's not demonic, it's not evil. There's, it's just a, it's a tool. The part that we're alluding to, the part that we're getting at, is how this over time is going to be a real problem philosophically um, when you're asking it crucial questions. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm having a little fun here because, <laughs> you know, I'm asking it. And by the way, you're right. So it says, uh, I'm asking, you know, masks. Effective, and it says this is based on the most recent information, which is September 2021, which is clearly not the most recent information. So I say, well, then was Dr. Fauci wrong when he said we don't wear masks in a pandemic in March of 2020? And it says uh, in March of 2020, there was some confusion and uncertainty regarding the effectiveness. Uh, but it ends with, uh, but it's important to understand that he was saying this based upon the availability of masks. Uh in the marketplace. And so I said, well, if it's based on the availability of masks, did Dr. Fauci lie? Because it's not based on facts. No, Dr. Fauci did not lie about the initial recommendation against the general public of wearing a mask. The recommendation was based on the limited availability of masks, which is a lie. Like literally it's saying a lie because he didn't, he never said, I'm telling you this because we're short on masks. He was saying, 
because you don't go around wearing masks in a pandemic. That's a lie. But it won't say it's a lie. <laughs> like So somewhere in this, there, mm-hmm. you know, again, not demonic, but there's definitely a narrative from the culture. Yeah. That is a fact. That is a yes or no question. You don't go wear, around wearing masks in a, in a pandemic because you don't need masks. And not saying, oh, also because we are based on availability. That's an ends justifies the means. It's still a lie. Yeah. But it won't tell me that. It's interesting, too, because our old buddy Elon was one of the founders of OpenAI. So OpenAI is the company that has launched ChatGPT. Elon Musk was one of the founders of this. Go figure. I mean, the guy is super smart with a lot of money. But he has he has recognized the quote-unquote wokeness of it or the potential for it. And so mm-hmm. now he has rolled off and is working to start a competitive version of chat GPT that is less, um, what's the word? Less liberal in its thinking, which in of itself is a problem. Yeah. Because we're looking for one shepherd, right? And now we've got competing shepherds. It just continues on yeah. and on and on. Well, I think that, the, so that was what I was really drilling down on on Sunday is we're going to have to choose a shepherd somehow, some way. Yeah. Like we're following somebody. And right now, blindly following technology uh, could, could also be, you know, blindly following, you know, your favorite news outlet. You know, what's happening right now with Fox you know, they're being sued by Dominion and they have a little bit of a conundrum here because they had hosts saying, we don't believe this, but we got to keep saying it. You know, so they're, they're, you know, I think at one point in Tucker and by the end, I look, I, I like Tucker Carlson. I think a bow tie looks good on most people and he, he pulls it off pretty good there. But, you know, say, he, he's saying that we can't do this because it's killing our stock prices. Um, and of course, you know, CNN is apoplectic and MSNBC is, you know, virtue signaling from there. Like they're not doing the same thing. But the point being that those news outlets are not news outlets. They're creating a product for sale to add dollars. So that's a yeah. shepherd. So we can't, we can't blindly follow our news outlets. We can't blindly follow our technology leaders. We get, if, but we're going to follow somebody. We better follow somebody that's going to tell us the truth and that has our best interests in mind, a good shepherd. Yeah, I think for me, if several years ago, I gosh, it's probably been many years ago, but when I realized that news, that like the local news, specifically like local news stations, they're, they're loss leaders. They're, they're just, they're business opportunities for ad revenue. Mm-hmm. That's all that they are. They may give you some information that helps you with your traffic on your way into work, and they may give you some information concerning the weather in in the area. What's funny is like independent weather guys in town have seem to be doing <laughs> seem to do a lot better job of 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 telling us the weather than the the news folks. Um, but their their primary goal is revenue for yeah ads. They're marketing arms. Right. Jesus refers to them in this exact passage as a hired manager. He specifically says that the person hired to take care of the sheep when the wolf comes 
they run away. They're not going to lay down their life for a sheep. And the way that you know whether the shepherd is a good shepherd or a bad shepherd is, are they in it for the money? And Jesus goes on to say, which we're actually going to talk about this week, I am the good shepherd, and the way you know I'm the good shepherd is the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Well, that was your first point. His presence is protection. Yeah, yeah. To protect us. Yeah, He and he will lay down his life to protect us, not to keep us out of uncomfortable situations because he's going to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. But the protection is from our sin. The protection is from the damnation of our sin. Uh, and, and we know that he's good because he's willing to lay down his life for us. You know, uh, there is not a single technologist. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is not going to lay down his life for me. He's going to ask me to lay down his life for him because the product is me, right? That's the thing the social dilemma taught us yeah. was that I'm the product. So I am laying down my life for the shepherd so that he can make money for his company. That, that's the trade. But the, the false part of it is that I better understand what shepherd I'm laying down my life for. And Jesus is saying, you can trust me because I'm going to lay down my life for you. Protection and then provision. You talk about provision in, in verses 7, 8, and 9. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. Yeah. We're going through chosen chapter 3, or uh, season 3. Yeah. Which they have, let's talk about tech for a second. They have updated their app to watch The Chosen now. So I've been using the app this time. Extensively okay. updated the Apple TV app. <laughs> it's so much easier to watch episodes now than it ever has been. And for those listening at home, seasons one and two have been added to Amazon Prime, which is nice. Yeah, right. It's available there. But we're going through season three right now. And... This this particular passage just reminds me of the Pharisees, right? Like how how the Pharisees are, how they're depicted, which is seemingly fairly accurate, and and how Jesus addresses them, even in that show. I know it's a show. I know it's a drama. I get it, but putting that into context mm-hmm. um, has been really helpful in understanding how frustrated Jesus was getting. Um, not only at the Pharisees, but at the people um, for for blindly following these guys. Right. Who were stealing. Right out from under them. At the temple. The, um, the story of the widow's might. And by the way, if you go to Israel, there is no shortage of people who are willing to sell you a widow's might for $100. <laughs> wow. Right. <laughs> Like, oh, the irony. It's like the Bitcoin of the New Testament, right? Like it's worth $100 right now. But it shows a, a complete misunderstanding of what Jesus was saying. Because the widow putting in her money, the two mites, was giving it to the temple, right? And yeah. so haven't we seen, I mean, I don't know if you ever, the offering sermon, you know, it's not about the quantity of how much you give, but how much it hurts, you know, the, you know, the, Basically using it as a positive, but Jesus, this is a pejorative. Jesus is saying, look at this temple. Look at this glorious and grand and mighty thing. And here is this widow who has nothing to give, and you're taking her two mites? Basically, he's saying you are stealing and robbing from this widow to pad your pockets at the temple. It wasn't a compliment. It was an insult because they were stealing from her. Pharisees? 
the legal the, their the, you know their jobs their paychecks whatever depended on how much gold we could collect from the people stealing and robbing from them our modern Pharisees, the modern ones controlling our scrolls, and I know I'm picking on social media. You could apply this across multiple formats, including the news, by the way, like, you know, the, the quote-unquote news. I should put that in quotes these days. Yes. Because since it is about the money, like I'm the product, they're selling me my stuff. They're stealing from me. And the question is, do you feel better or worse after you've scrolled for infinite amount of time. Like, what is that that feeling of like, ugh, like even the way that Netflix is set up to, to so that you end up binging. The next thing you know, I've gone through an entire season of whatever. Like, do you walk away feeling, man, I feel really good about my life right now. I feel very productive. And No, we all feel the same way. We feel, ugh. Well, it, part of it also is a physiological yes. response that is actually happening in our bodies from repeated dopamine hits. That, which is great up at first. Yes. But repeated dopamine hits over and over and over absolutely suck the life out of you. Stealing, killing, and destroying. They yeah. are not a good shepherd. If you ever get the, I have, it's been a while since I've referred it, but a book called Hate Incorporated by Matt Taibbi. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, by the way, a rolling, well, now a former Rolling Stone journalist because he apparently, as uh, a Bernie bro, Universal income cheering liberal is is in their minds too conservative. But what he did was just expose the business model of of, of the news industry. But you can apply that to across the board. The, the the way that they in the old days when Walter Cronkite said, you know, that's the news, you know, whatever. Good night. Like we're done with the news now. We go on with our lives. But that's not the way the news works now. Now it's one guy is handing off to the next girl's show, and she's at the end. She hooks it to the next show, and. It's an that is a one hundred percent by design to keep your dopamine going, so you'll keep hooked on it to the next, to the next, to the next, and it is killing us. The numbers are absolutely irrefutable right now, and I shared a little bit of that from Sunday, and I'm going to probably share a little bit more this Sunday of the the proof right now, that specifically for teen girls, but across the board, right? It's it's destroying the mental, the physical, uh, physiological health of our Children, specifically teen girls, over 50% now in depression and anxiety and 100% linked to social media, 100%. You know, again, it's a good tool. Good things are happening from it. I am not suggesting that everybody immediately vacates from social media. But I am saying that if you are following social media and social media is not following you, then it's backwards and you're going to end up being stolen from, destroyed, and killed. Protection, power, or actually protection, provision, and then power. power. The power that comes from what we just talked about, John 10.10, 10, the, the last part of that verse, I have come that they may have life, have it to the full. Mm. How, can, how can we have a full life? Well, one of the ways you can do it, and this is going to be real uncomfortable, but no one's looking. You can do it right now while you're listening to us. Pick up your phone and use the little feature where it tells you how much time you're on social media this week and on your phone. And you're going to be embarrassed and you're going to feel like pretty bad about your life. Now, some of you won't. Some of you, you know, whatever. The vast majority will. Point being that if, if you've got 
50 hours, 40 hours this week on social media and entertainment and four minutes in the word, you're not yeah. going to have a full life. You know, because you're following the wrong shepherd. The way you have a full life is by following the right shepherd. And it doesn't mean, you know, becoming a, a monastic, you know, sitting in the corner chanting for hours at a time. It does mean a relationship with the presence of God, God's presence. And for me, I can only speak for me on this, but that has looked like you're in the word. I'm following Jesus. Well, if you're following Jesus, he actually denotes that he's going somewhere. Like if I'm following somebody, you know, you know, like Caleb is sitting over here, our producer, uh, he's just sitting there right now because he's producing, but I can't, if I can't follow him anywhere. He's not going anywhere. But if I'm following Caleb and he goes out the door and goes to Chick-fil-A or whatever, like has this awesome life, like that's following Caleb, which sounds pretty good, bro. If you wanted to make a Chick-fil-A run, nobody would complain. Jesus is going someplace. And I have gotten to go to some unbelievable situations. I, you know, it stretched me. I've, I've been in terrifying situations. I've been in exhilarating situations. And my life is full, like full of stress and full of struggles. Yes, right? But full of life because we're following Jesus because he's going place. So we're setting slaves free, right? We're, we're drilling wells for kids who, who need water. We're fighting for addicts who are uh, just struggling to find freedom. Like That's the life that Jesus wants for us is he's going places. He's doing things. He said, I'm giving you that same authority. So if my life is sitting around binging Netflix, that is not a full life. If my life is instead pursuing the things of God and pursuing what God's, you know, we talk about the gates of hell will not prevail against us. You know, it doesn't mean you're going to be going with me to Nepal in a few weeks because that may not be where God called you. But wherever it is that God has you right now, there are gates of hell. There's gates of hell in addiction. There's gates of hell in sex trafficking here in our own country. There's gates of hell. You know, if you've got kids in public school right now, there are kids who are struggling for their own emotional health. They're struggling for, there's a gate of hell around them. Like whatever it is that God has given you a passion for, get off your butt, put down the phone and go do something for the kingdom of God. Like there's a full life with that. Like I'm, I'm okay to grow old this way. And I think that others would be too. It's the way that God wired us was not to sit around. He wired us to get involved, to get on the front lines. And there's a full life on the end of that. I think that's why a lot of our, especially like our homeschool moms and people who make fun of them all day long if they want to. But let me tell you what, you know who's involved in their kids' lives? Those mamas, man. They are fighting for their kids. They are fighting for other kids. They're fighting for, for their freedom, for their education, for their lives. Like it's, you don't have to go around the world for that. You can just go across the hall and find that kind of a full life. Yeah. When you're talking about going to the front lines, I mean, I even think of, you know, parents going to the front lines of their, of their, their home. Yeah. Their kids, you know, leading by example, putting the phone down, man, even just putting the phone down, everybody in the house, we're going to get up. We're going to go walk around the block, enjoy some fresh air. We're going to actually converse. <laughs> we're going to talk to each other. Yeah. That can take literally 20 minutes and it might be one of the most 20, most productive 20 minutes of your day. Yeah. It's the little things, but those are the front lines. Like our first ministry is our home. And I think that that serves as a reminder to us, can serve as a reminder to us that as we shepherd our family, we must be shepherded. And so we have to take 
inventory of how we're being shepherded. Mm-hmm. And is that through the word or is that through technology or anything else that honestly can become an idol in yeah. our life? Yeah, the thing that one of the signs that you're not following the good shepherd is is your life like defined by still waters? Is your life defined by, you know, by not provision like wealth, but like satiation? Um, and by the way, that doesn't you know if you, if there's sickness in your family, if there's thing, but those things can really interrupt. But there's a there's a way in the even in the middle of that suffering. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff comfort me, he says. Because what it means is, hey, there's a lion right outside there. I'm, I'm a little freaked out, but I look at him. I look at the shepherd. He's got his weapons. I'm going to be okay. So instead of keeping our eyes on the, the wolf, keep our eyes on the weapons, right, of Jesus. And there's a peace in that. So we're walking through a, a, an upside-down world, but we've got Jesus that comforts us. So, but but that said, if your life is defined only by anxiety, only by fear, there's no shame in it. But you can look and say, okay, what shepherd am I following? Like, what am I focusing on that's causing me that? That's not causing me what the good shepherd is. Because, you know, look, my my own fears and my own anxieties—they're a bad shepherd. Because that means I'm looking not at him, but I'm looking at myself to be the shepherd and not at him. Sheep are very jumpy animals, really jumpy, skittish. Oh my goodness. I mean, you literally, if I just burped accidentally, like the sheep would be like, ah! <laughs> you know, because they're scared. Uh, mm-hmm. And by the way, they're scared for good reason. They got no weapons. They're completely defenseless. But if, if, if you're constantly doing, you know, jumping around, whatever, you're, you're forgetting that your shepherd is right behind you. Get, 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 you know, get your eye back on the shepherd. I don't know how you came across this quote. It's really good. From C.S. Lewis, who has so many great quotes. Oh, dude. It makes me want to smoke a pipe more because I feel like that might be the secret was the pipe. Man. He says this, enemy occupied territory. That is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. Yeah. I mean, if you feel like you woke up in a, in a upside down world, uh, you did. <laughs> uh, because we we all did like that's that's the world and you know you you think again I've said this about C.S. Lewis before but yeah but and I, by the way that's from Mere Christianity if you've never read Mere Christianity Caleb write that down if you haven't read that yet put that on the top of your list but get it get, you know, before you read Bigfoot books read that one um if I I stumbled onto that when I was like twenty that book and it, I've read it I don't know twenty times since then that's a seventy year old book yes. He wasn't a prophet. He was a historian. How, did he, how could he have possibly known what we were going to face now? He didn't. He, that's what they were facing then. He wrote this right after, right as World War II was unfolding. Yeah. Actually, you know what? If I remember right, Mere Christianity was as World War II. He was, it was a radio broadcast mm-hmm. during World War II on British radio. And this was literally, he would write like an essay, read it over the air, and it became the book Mere Christianity. Wow. You talk about like bombs are falling in London, right? And he's writing mere Christianity, um, which is the idea of power is that in the middle of the, some of the most uncomfortable situations that God can still move in all of our lives, whether it's our health or our geopolitical, you know, we're not meant to lay back and just take it. We're meant to, you know, to resist. We're meant to me. That's where strength comes from is resistance, right? So in God's sovereignty, 
you know, World War II is happening, but are we supposed to lay back and just take it? No. And we're not fighting against God's sovereignty by doing so. It's like, you know, my son who, you know, has been lifting some weights, it's by pushing the weight back up again, you know, that he gets strong, not by just letting it collapse on top of him. So God puts us in the valley of the shadow of death to give us strength not to uh, roll over us. Find a shepherd that will give you protection, provision, and power. I would suggest the good shepherd, Jesus himself, as he guides us. And we're going to continue John chapter 10 this week. It kind of turns a little bit of a corner, does it not? So kind of, I mean, he... So he's like, he's describing himself as the gate, right? I'm the one here. I'm a shepherd, but I'm the gate. And they're like, and the Pharisees completely didn't understand. And then he says, okay, well, let me put it a different way. Verily, verily, I say unto you again. And, he, and that's when he starts talking about the good shepherd and goes into more detail about laying down his life and the gospel. So kind of what I wanted to, I, what I'm going to try to juxtapose is that at the end, you know, verse 11, I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. That's actually not the gospel. That's just a result of the gospel. The gospel is the very next verse that I, the good shepherd, I lay down my life for the sheep. Nobody makes me lay it down. I choose to lay it down and I pick it back up again. It's a picture of who Jesus is and that he willingly laid down his life. He didn't, like he didn't run out in front and accidentally get shot in the war. Yeah. As noble as that is and as purple of a heart as you get for that as a reward. He went out in front knowing he was going to get shot. But he didn't do it just to be a good example. He did it to pay for the sins. So we're going to hammer that home again. That The reason why Jesus laid his life down wasn't just to, to tell us that he loved us. He did tell us that he loved us. He didn't do it just to be a good example. It was a good example. He did it because it was the only way to pay for our sins. The gospel on display. The good shepherd. John chapter 10, continue in our Believe series. If you missed this week's teaching, you can always go back and listen. Get caught up. This week, we'll continue. Hope to see you there.